guys, and welcome to Goodversations, a collection of honest, deep dive conversations with talented voices in the theatre industry. My name is Alexandra, and I'm joined today by Nicholas Padani. He is currently playing Albus Potter in the stage adaptation of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which is currently in its second year on Broadway. It has so many plot twists and a whole lot of stage magic, so if you haven't seen it yet, I definitely encourage you to do so, either here in London or on Broadway or in Australia now, because it's unlike anything I've ever seen. And it was such a wonderful night out, especially if you're a huge Harry Potter fan like myself, who grew up with these books and films and stories, so definitely check it out. conversation, Nicholas and I covered pretty much everything, from his experience bringing magic to life eight shows a week, to exploring his own creative side through writing original music and plays, to embarrassing audition stories and near-death experiences. And by the way, he's had two of those already, one of which is the most incredible story I've ever heard. So keep an ear out for that one at the very end of this episode as well. Be sure to follow Nicholas on Instagram at Nicholas Padani and follow Goodversations for more episodes of this show. Here's my conversation with Nicholas Padani. talented so there's a bunch of questions <laughs> I would like to ask you but I'm just curious to know if you come from a musical family I come from the coolest family in my opinion ever um, my my mom and my dad are both historians um, my dad was a conservative antiquities at a museum my mom is a history teacher um, my sister is a doctor my grandmother um, taught ballet from 21 to her 90th birthday. Oh, wow. Um, I know, my, it's, it's insane. Uh, my, my grandfather uh, worked, uh, worked as like sort of an engineer and inventor until after the war, and then he worked in a toy shop. So my mom had the best childhood ever. My mom was also the original basis of the Bengals, but she doesn't like me telling people about that. But here I am on a podcast telling yeah. people about that. How did you find your passion for theater then? Oh, oh, I saw I saw my I saw my sister do a middle school production of Damn Yankees. And that's right. And I and I loved the girl who was playing the devil in it, who had this great song in it. And so I just went and I saw it over and over and over and over again until I finally had memorized all of her lines and her dance and her song. And I presented it to her, um, the, the girl playing the devil um, in the middle school at the end of the run. And my parents were like, okay, well, maybe we'll give theater a shot. Yeah, amazing. And you know, what were some of the milestones, I guess, in your life, apart from this one, that put you on this path to being a performer? Well, you know, I mean, ever, ever since I like started acting it was it's that it's a wonderful feeling of um being off stage being backstage uh right before going on and you just get this nervous feeling um and then going on stage and knowing and all of a sudden everything's okay and like you're on the train you're in the moment it's a beautiful feeling it doesn't happen all the time but when it happens it's so gorgeous and i got hooked to that and I, you know, just wanted to pursue that as something that I enjoyed. And then when I was 15, I was in this 
production of this new play where we were working with a writer. Um, it was a two-hander. It was me and the woman playing my mom. And a man came up to me after I did that show and said, I'm going to call my son, who I haven't talked to in like five years after seeing this performance. And that was sort of the moment of like, well, I know I want to do something with my life that helps others. And if this is something that helped that guy, helped that man with his life, then this is something I should pursue. One thing led to another and I got into an acting school and I went there and moved to New York, graduated, was lucky enough to be doing a theater job while I was graduating. But as soon as that finished, I started auditioning for Harry Potter and it's been a crazy run. It's been very fun. Amazing. And I cannot wait to actually dig into that a little bit. But going back <laughs> to your, your education, you went to Juilliard, which is a big deal. That's it. Yeah, it's very cool. Very cool. It's very cool. Yeah. But I know you you kind of had an interesting perspective on the school that you didn't want to go there initially. <laughs> so yeah. why was that? And, you know, at what point did you change your mind? It was it was hearsay. It was pure hearsay on the reputation of the school that I was presented with, like in, like in my high school, my drama teacher had a very high regard for Juilliard as this place that was incredibly elite and very um, prestigious and the top of the top. And that just, that sounded way too much for me. Who could anyone say about themselves that they are the top of the top? You, that means you're done learning. And why would you go to a school if they feel like they're done learning? Um, it turned out that the complete contrary was true of the school. I, as soon as I started auditioning, because well, I, I auditioned just to see how far I would get because I thought it'd be fun. And then as soon as um, I went to the warm-up room, Richard Feldman, who's the director of the, uh, of the program, or um, was the acting director of the program at the time, um, talked to us about how rare it is that we get to do what we love, how rare it is that we get to tell stories. You know, most of the time we're doing our survival job or we're doing homework or we're in school or we're just trying to get by as what people have deemed as normal. And um, he was like, now you get just a five minute window in which you can do what you love. So why not take it? And that was oh, that was amazing. That was really humbling. There's so much more than being a prodigious school or going to a prodigious school there's so much more he also talked about like there are so many more avenues to get to where you want to go than just juilliard or than just college and like you take the path you need to take you'll know when you're taking it and that was all very delightful yeah amazing. it got me very much in love with it oh amazing and but actually do you think it's necessary to actually study acting or musical theater or drama if you want to go into this industry no no no, no. I know very, very talented people who are not trained. I don't know. It's it's weird to like. <laughs> it's weird to talk about being trained because you know you're potty trained. You train your pets to not pee in the house. Like it's it, it's weird that like you you train actors. I don't know. I just I I felt as though I wanted an education in that. I knew I didn't want an education in music, and I love music just as much as I love acting. You go whatever way you need to. And that's that's the right way. Fast forward to now, you're making your Broadway debut in one of the most magical shows ever. <laughs> so how does that feel? Harry Potter taught me. I mean, I, I my mom was reading me those books when I was six. 
So, you know, it, it taught me very early on how to love, how to be a friend, how to deal with whatever life throws you. And, you know, I, I was so surprised because I hadn't read the series for quite a while when, um, when I booked the job. So I reread it and I was just shocked at how good these books are. Cause I thought it must've just been like a childhood nostalgia that made me think that these books were that incredible. It felt more as though I was joining Harry Potter than I was going on a Broadway stage. And then the Tonys were on while we were doing a show mm-hmm. because, um, the, the, you know, obviously we're the second cast to be on, on Broadway. So every, uh, original cast was at the Tonys. We were, you know, still in the mines doing the play. Um, but we were all downstairs watching the Tonys, you know, when like we weren't on stage. So you would mm-hmm. come downstairs, watch the Tonys for a little bit, go on stage, do your scene, come downstairs. And when I went back on stage for act four, after having watched the Tonys, that's when it really hit me that, Oh, I'm part of this huge tradition on this stage that has housed so many legendary people. I mean, the, the floors I'm walking on have been walked on by very famous feet. Oh, yeah. So that's just very cool. So what's the best and best part of being on Broadway? And also, what's the most challenging part of being on Broadway? No, the best part is, is the people that I'm working with. Uh, I love these people. And it doesn't even have to be Broadway. I don't want to say that the best part of being on Broadway is the people that I get to work with, because that means that the only good people out there are the people on Broadway. Mostly what it is is just in this experience that I'm having, which, you know, isn't Harry Potter, which happens to be on Broadway, the people who I've met are spectacular. And that's all I can really speak to is my experience of that. Um, I would say hard thing about being in a long running show is 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 to feel like i'm i'm missing something and that and i and i know that you know you feel that always you always feel that if you take one road and not another you can you can just drive yourself crazy with what ifs with um with potential things and it, 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 it's so important, A, to realize that even though I'm in one of the, like, one of my dream jobs of all time, I can still be susceptible to the, ah, oh, shoot, I, oh, maybe if I had auditioned for that, maybe that would have gone to, you know, like, mm-hmm. you're always susceptible to it. And so I think rather than trying to deny it for myself, just sort of accepting it. And being like, yeah, well, mm, that could have happened, but here I am, and uh, I'm, I am where I need to be, and I'm happy with where I am. And tomorrow will come, whether or not I, I like it. But that's always nice. What is that feeling like, just seeing your face on like posters or billboards or playbills and stuff like that? It's weird, <laughs> especially oh, especially because there's this there's this photo that was on subways for a while of the end of the wand dance. Um, where like everybody's sh- everybody's like looking awesome. It's like this line of the students, and everybody's looking really cool, and like they're shooting fire out of their wands. And the point is that the end at the end of the wand dance, everyone's shooting fire out of the wands, and I'm accidentally shooting like pink smoke out of my wand because uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't go so well for me. Um, and everybody's like standing up straight, looking really cool, and I just have this 
unbelievably embarrassing face that was just plastered everywhere on subways. So it was just very funny to like see all my friends looking super cool and me in the middle like crouching down. Talking about this because it, what is it like being almost the face of a show? Obviously you have a great cast and you have other people in this yeah. cast that you know represent it, but do you feel a sense of responsibility when it comes to representing the show, not just on stage, but you know, in your life? It, it does feel, if, if you've seen the show or if you're planning to see the show, uh, with all the marketing and with the plot and with uh, the movement of the story, it can occasionally feel as though it's this huge cast, but mostly just like seven or eight people. You know, like th these these eight people who you're really following, like those are the people of the show. But I always feel a responsibility to, to hammer home that this is the, the most ensemble-based show I have ever performed in in my entire life. And you would n never know it, which is, the, which is one of the most incredible things um, about the cast I'm working with is that, you know, like the people who get interviewed are the, are the people who are, who are doing some of the least work like, like in the show, like, like the people yeah. who are like moving things and the people you, for some of the magic tricks, all of the magic tricks in the show are, if not a hundred percent, at least 80% powered by human beings. Yeah. Like there's almost no mechanics behind it. It's all people doing it. And like, it's just uh, humbling and like, inspiring to to see these unbelievably talented actors just make this show a hundred percent every night and i i so i do feel a responsibility mm -hmm. to talk about the ensemble a lot um do i feel a responsibility of the harry potter franchise no no i'm a, <laughs> i'm a fan i'm just a fan of the of the series who happens to be lucky enough to um now have a part in it but i don't we all have a part in it we've all read the books we all feel like we have a sense of ownership over the story and over these characters and if you know if you see the show and you don't like the show because harry wasn't how you imagined harry cool because that's you have ownership over your opinion of these books and of these characters and that's delightful what's been your like most memorable fan encounter or like a gift you've received fan encounter so, someone someone um <laughs> I, I i wrote a little song um just just for myself it, it was it was a song i wrote for my niece and i and i put it out kind of quietly on soundcloud and it, it didn't make any really huge like splashes or anything like that but um someone uh embroidered her favorite lyrics from the song and handed it to me and that was just really nice it was really cool because it's one of my favorite lyrics too and i was like oh that's cool that's um, insane because cool. because because that that then means that um i i know i truly no longer have ownership over that song it's now the people who are listening to it it's their song and like if, if you like a lyric that's awesome um that was cool but i wouldn't mm, i think constantly my fate just the gift of getting to see oh like eight nine ten eleven year olds in their robes outside having just seen a show where magic actually happened 
because adults are like trying to figure out how it happened and kids are just like nope now it's if magic. you take a potion like you turn into someone else that's real i saw it i literally saw it um not that not that kids are dumb like i'm not i'm not saying that like anybody's dumb i think the kids you know i don't want to dis- discredit that but like there is a sense of of just like wonder where and 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 to go out and share that wonder with them on at, at, at stage door and like really meet them that's that's one of the greatest that's so nice because i was i was that kid i remember i was in i was in second grade mm-hmm. and there were these two fifth graders one had black hair and one had red hair and i was convinced that harry and ron went to my school and i just and i remember that feeling of like oh, i'm meeting them i'm meeting Ron and Harry they were fifth graders and I've met them and it made no sense like it doesn't make sense to to my brain now like why would I think yeah. that they would be in England first of all but you know <laughs> you um no I get so so to, so to go out and like be like no I I played that character and and I'm meeting you and I know I know this feeling it was very cool oh, yeah amazing so what was that feeling like trying your costume on for the first time I got I got to try my costume on before I even started scenes like like really? we hadn't even done the table read and we started doing costume fittings and it oh wow yeah I got to put on a wizard robe oh it was the coolest Were you thing geeking ever geeking out I was geeking out it was so cool uh, they gave me a wand to try out oh man it was awesome amazing yeah that was that was one of the that was the moment where it, where I got the email with the schedule of like this is when your costume fitting is that's when it felt real you know i'd signed i'd signed contracts i'd signed you know a bunch of things saying that i was in the play but that email saying your costume fitting is on this day that was it just clicked on that in that moment it was cemented yeah it's very cool amazing and i think you've actually said this before that albus is an introvert who was born into a extroverted family um and you know his relationship with his parents throughout the show is so intricate so what is it like playing this character every night and going through that journey? I, I said that maybe a few months ago, so now it's changed completely. Just because, you know, you, you're trying to find something different in the character all so the time. So what has it changed to now? It changes daily, daily. I mean, I remember there was one performance where right before going on stage, I just, I had Creep by Radiohead stuck in my head. So, mm-hmm. I, um, so I watched the music video. And I decided just to play Albus like Tom York would play him the entire show, which was just a blast. I was watching Barry with, uh, you know, Bill Hader mm-hmm. for a while. And so for a long time, Albus was just being played by Bill Hader. Um, uh, I started listening to Billie Eilish. Uh, and so all of a sudden, Albus was his inside track was just Billie Eilish the entire time. Ultimately, I don't think an audience member would notice. Mm-hmm. But man is it fun to do it oh i I finally got around to seeing um tom holland's spider-man and then that became a a thing that albus was and it's not like he's changing he's not changing he's just getting deeper and deeper and deeper like tom york is still there just as much as my original take on albus you know him being ron that was my first thing as i was like oh he's ron and i was like no he's Ginny. And I was like, no, he's Fred and George. No, he's Molly. 
and you know going through that and then going oh wait no 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 scratch all that he is actually just Harry and you know so then it just gets deeper until this this there was a performance where my actor brain just got so full that I realized I wasn't even um, I was just doing acting exercises at a certain point I wasn't actually thinking as this kid. And so something that was so relieving was I was coming up with all these reasons why Albus was saying everything he was saying, like why he was blowing up in this moment and feeling vulnerable in this moment. I had all these reasons until I realized this, he doesn't know why he's doing all of this. Yeah. It's just happening. And I've already done my homework, so I can now throw it away and just have the really vulnerable realization that Albus thinks something is very wrong with him because he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand what's going on, which means I don't get it when I'm on stage, which is which was delightful and so much fun to just let go of everything. Yeah. Amazing. I've had a lot of time to think about this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you should, you know, it's great that you mentioned peeling back layers and discovering and approaching the role from different sides because, you know, like if, if you played it the same way every night, I imagine you would go insane. Yeah, yeah. It was it was something um, um, Jonathan Case and I were talking about today. I uh, We were talking about this earlier, but uh, uh, Jonathan Case and I, um, Jonathan Case plays Scorpius in London. We got lunch earlier today. Um, he's on vacation in New York, uh, so we just got lunch. And we were talking about, you know, from opposite ends of the world, like <laughs> communicating over like this one play and how sometimes just to keep your sanity as a person, as a performer, you, you know what the scene is, you know what the emotion is. And sometimes you just have to trust it mm -hmm. rather than trying to control it, rather than trying to make the perfect performance. And you just have to trust it. And that can be really wonderful, even if sometimes it makes you feel like a fraud, but it, but you know, it's, it's a balancing act. It's a constant balancing act and one that I have no answers for one that I'm still exploring and one that um, I, it, it fascinates me. But yeah. Do you think you have to be an extrovert to be in this business? No. No, I no. I mean, the, the, you, you could, if you have a story to tell and if it's something that you really, really just need to say, then it's no longer a business, then it's no longer... I mean, there's obviously the business elements. You can be a creator and an artist without ever signing a contract. You, everyone is in their day-to-day -day life. It just depends whether or not you um, want to tell that story and to how many people. And, like, we're constantly making stories. We're constantly making art. And it's courageous. It's very courageous and very beautiful and wonderful if you um, do it as a career, of course if you're lucky enough to do it as a career. Um, but even if you're, you're attempting to do it as a career, that is the, one of the bravest things in the world. And that's so amazing, like, like to have a story and be brave enough to tell it and know that it will be judged and know that it will be scrutinized uh, by no matter how many eyes or ears and to still tell it, that is, that is the wonderful thing of what we do. But obviously it's one thing to bring someone else's script and vision to life and it's mm -hmm. a whole other thing to write your own material. So, sure. And I know you're a wonderful writer and musician. You wrote like a short play or part of a short play called Sides which which is something Oh fun! 
<laughs> I really like that one actually. And um, I want to I want to make that I want to make that into a short film kind of soon. I'm I'm talking to a few people about making it into a short film. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see that. So <laughs> oh, fingers fun. crossed. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you. Hey, thank you for saying that. No, of course. But that was actually my question for you. Like, are you looking to to you know stage these stories in a way, or like film them, or like what are you hoping to do <laughs> yeah. with your stuff? Oh, who knows? I sort of just. I mean, I've I've just. Ever since I was in seventh grade, I started writing songs, and I wasn't writing songs for anybody in particular. That, that's not true. I was completely writing songs about the people I had crushes on. But did I ever want to show them to those people? No, no, never, never, never. I had so many crushes who have no idea that there are about like twenty songs written for them, like in my mm -hmm. little middle school, <laughs> my middle school meltdown or whatever. But you know, I was never writing to show anybody. I was never writing to do anything with it. Um, so does creativity was, come naturally to you? Well, it's just—it's just something, something I love doing. It's something I um, always want to do. Um, sharing it is a weird process. Sharing it's a very weird process, and something that's been so lovely about. Um, the people I've had the chance to meet um, and the audiences that I've performed for um, during the show is that, is that, is that they, they're very supportive. Like, like the, the, the fan base for um, this show and for the franchise in general is just so generous and so kind. And so, you know, when I put out that song on SoundCloud, mm -hmm. um, it got just a wonderful response. And so to feel that love back was great. And so, yeah, no, it has given me a little bit more, um, a little more fire under my ass to to put out some stuff of mine uh no matter how scary it is but you know i guess that's the whole thing about being courageous are you ever afraid or kind of worried about how your creativity is going to be perceived yeah i mean who isn't you know? exactly yeah that, that that never that never goes away i mean you started this podcast in january and it's and and i've and i've listened to some of the episodes they're so good but like i I can't imagine that you started this being like not nervous. I think everybody's nervous to tell any kind of story, no matter what it is, or to put their idea out in the world. I mean, there's always that part in your brain of like, who am I to have a voice? And you always just have to counter that with like, you are you. You're the only one. You're that's why you have a voice is because you're the only one and that that's that's great and you obviously be inspired by other voices constantly listen just listen because that will help so much i mean that's what your podcast is about is about listening so i'm yeah it's it's awesome what you're doing first of all thank you so much for saying that like that just made my day we need <laughs> we need compliments like so many times you know i was just talking to a friend about this yesterday like we're as artists in whatever capacity uh, we're being so vulnerable to go into such a subjective thing where it can constantly feel personal if someone you know rejects you you can feel so personal about it that we have to be responsible for giving each other support because most of the time it isn't personal most of the time it's you know something that's out of your control but like hanging on to support and to like love is is vital and great a hundred percent because at one point yeah, you're like so. yeah you're just like okay whatever i'm doing it you know there's no and that, which is which is exactly what you said 
you know, you said in January, fuck it, I'm doing it. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's what I said when I put this song out on the soundcloud. Like, now I'm getting messages saying, like, this this helped me with my day or this helped me with this and that. And that's that's the, that's the guy coming up to me after my 15-year-old performance saying, like, I'm going to call my son. I mean, that's just, like, that's why we do it. It's just... Is, is for catharsis of other people. Absolutely. And um, actually, if you could throw a couple of ideas or career aspirations out there, knowing that they will come true, what would you wish for? <laughs> I want to I wanna, I wanna meet Paul McCartney. <laughs> Solid. I want to meet Frank Ocean. I want to I work with Frank Ocean. I want to... Oh, I want to, I mean, I know it's, I know people have such cynical views on it, but to be in like an award cycle, you know, like whatever award cycle, I, oof, I think it would just be fun. You know, like people have such cynical views on it and, um, and, and some people have really positive views on it. But, but for me, I think it would just be a, a blast to, you know, experience that side of things. Um, and I'm sure I want to it's be... going to happen. I'm sure it's going to happen to you, like, very, very, <laughs> so. very soon. I hope so. I really do hope so. Because, um, I mean, just getting dressed up and, like, that would be, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to be successful. Um, I don't quite know what that definition is for me yet. I'm figuring that out. You know, when I was a kid, it meant being famous right now. As much as I hate to admit it, it still sort of means being famous. But like that, it that's a, that's a weird goal. That and and I and it's not a goal for me. So you know, I'm figuring it out. Yeah. And actually, on that note, is there one piece of advice that w you would give to someone who's looking to go into this industry for the first time, yeah. and or yeah. perhaps is auditioning and pounding the pavement to make things happen? Like, what would you say to that person? There, there's this stigma, there's sort of this um, this saying that sort of followed me around all throughout my education when I, when I started saying I want to be an actor. There was this saying that kept following me around where people, in these words or less, be like, if you can do anything else, do it. Like, I heard that a lot. I heard, if you can do anything other than acting, do that. Um, and I think it's bullshit. I, I, I hate that. I think that's terrible. I think if you wanted, if you want to do something else, you can do something else other than acting and still be an actor. Exactly. You don't have to just be an actor. But for me, it's like, if you, if you feel like you'd be failing when you stopped acting, then you should keep acting. If you feel like you'd be succeeding at doing something else, then go ahead and do it. I mean, it, it seems like a very simple idea, but it's really hard to internalize um, because every every day I'm calling into question whether or not I want to be an actor. You know, it's really hard what what we do. Um, and it's also incredibly easy and incredibly fun, but sometimes it can feel like really hard. Um, And, uh, you know, so, so you call into question, like, do I want to do this? And if I say, no, I don't want to do this anymore, I feel like I'm failing. And that, in turn, informs me that I should keep doing it. 
actually we've just gone on to random section which is at the Yay! very end of this so um it's just questions that have nothing to do with anything are these rapid fire um you can make them rapid fire <laughs> <laughs> okay let's make them rapid fire oh no <laughs> <laughs> why not um so your mom is from the uk right and you yeah. started learning different accents from her um, so what's like an accent that you haven't had the chance to learn or do professionally, but you would like to have a go at? Oh, um, I, 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 I've been told, well, maybe my Australian's not that great, but Australian's fun. Um, French is fun. Uh, I've done Southern professionally, so not Southern, but yeah, I like to do some Australian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Australian's Okay. It's not. It's not great. I actually. Oh no! I saw. Um, I saw the Scorpius from Australia, and I did it for him. And he just sort of stared at me for a while. Can you do British? Like, well, have you nailed it? Rather. I mean. I mean. Yeah. 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 It's. Um. It's sort of. Um, oh, I love. That. I mean, it depends. It, it. It. It depends where in England because, you know, if you're sort of um, doing. Oh, what what's mine? I, mine is morphed into a weird thing where Albus now s sounds a little bit Manchester. I totally didn't <laughs> mean for it to happen, but all of a sudden I'm starting to say "oi," oh, like "oi," "oi." Okay. Didn't know that, and which is it just started happening one day. Yeah. Well, you know, um, my auntie Jill, she sounds like this. You know, everything sort of is a little bit of a question. <laughs> but not really. It's very sing-songy. You know, it's here, darling. Which is, you know, that's that's my aunt. She's lovely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that. Okay, right. Finish this sentence. Okay. Here's a documentary called The Nicholas Padani Story featuring the music of Frank Ocean. Best part of being in this generation of Broadway performers? People uh, really believe in equability, uh, in um, being a genuine, kind person and, and inclusion, not just diversity. People really, really believe in inclusion and fight for it too. And people are vocal. And it, whether it be like to an administration, or just inside a green room, mm -hmm. people aren't afraid to speak their minds to um, change things. And I, and I love that. I really love that. A question from one of my previous podcast guests to you is, what's your most embarrassing audition story? My most embarrassing? Oh, I remember. <laughs> uh, I was in high school and I was auditioning for a, uh, a musical called Twist that was happening at a theater in Los Angeles, which is where I grew up. Um, and it was, you know, based on Oliver Twist, um, but with a twist. And I was auditioning, you know, for one of the um, ensemble boy dancers. And I felt like I was a pretty good dancer. I don't know. I'd never really been in an official dance troupe or a dance audition. So I was like, I'll be mm -hmm. fine. Like, whatever. Um, I go in, and the combination is hard, but I can do it. Mm -hmm. And then they get to this moment where they go like, okay, and uh, now there's going to be two counts of eight where you can um, show off your tumbling. And I was like, are, are what? They're like, you're tumbling. So, you know, any tricks that you can do, like, like backflip, forward flip, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I knew how to do a somersault, which is not what they were looking for. 
so I, we get in the audition room and they, you know, they're doing it in like groups of five and I go up and, um, I have a complete panic attack where I'm just like, Oh, this is one of my first professional auditions and I'm, I'm going to do a somersault. No mm. way. I have to do a backflip. I just have to do a backflip. I don't know how I'm going to do a backflip, but I'm going to try. <laughs> so the take conservate game and I attempted to do a backflip and fell so hard that like they like stopped and like came over to check if I was okay. And obviously I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Keep doing the dance, please. And they had the, the humanity to keep me in the room. But that also meant that they then had to do the numbers thing where they're like, if this is your number, please stay. If not, you can go. So I had to like just quietly leave after just landing on my, not my face, but on my butt. And lastly, if you could step into my shoes for a second and ask mm -hmm. yourself something that I didn't, what would it be? Nicholas, how many times have, have you dodged death? Twice. Dun -dun -dun -dun. I was in a car accident when I was eight years old and it broke my leg and made me forget how to do math. And then... I, w I was on a subway that derailed and caught and like there was a track fire underneath because of all the stuff that was going on and the lights cut out and I um, remembered the last thing I texted because I thought I was going to die. Um, the last thing I texted my parents was about a Harry Potter house quiz. This was way before I ever got the show. This is my third year of college. Um, And I remembered that I got like 95% Gryffindor or something like that. And I was like, okay, okay, I'm okay. I'm courageous. I'm brave. I can do this. And um, my brain must have been in shock or something because everyone, everyone around me, I just started sorting them into houses. Um, and I got to like the emergency exit door, which wasn't working and it was filling with smoke and it felt like a weird nightmare. Um, and I don't know how I did it, but I punched open the window, um, which felt very, um, not me, um, got out, got to the last car, a Ravenclaw next to me pointed out the third rail because we had to go out onto the rails. Mm -hmm. So she pointed out the third rail and how we shouldn't touch it. I was like, thank you very much. Um, all the Hufflepuffs were taking care of the kids on the subway cars and like, you know, just showing them photos on their phone and like making them still laugh and like playing games with them so that they wouldn't freak out. Um, me and three other Gryffindors were helping people um, down off the train. All the Slytherins were finding like which direction we should be going. It was very cool. It was very scary. But in hindsight, um, it, it, the thing it made me always think about was just like how that's a purely fictional world that was like, that was the first thing to pop into my head when I thought everything was going down. And that was just like, that just speaks volumes to what fiction and what belief and what, um, you know, no matter how small a story is, it doesn't have to be a worldwide phenomenon like a franchise like that. It just has to be something, a, a story that someone's told you how much that can affect and help and you know make your life a little more beautiful this is the most terrifying slash beautiful story i've ever heard <laughs> so thank you for for sharing that isn't that cool 
that's so cool and like what a wonderful way to finish our conversation like thank you for sharing yeah. that thank you so much for doing that it was a great conversation If you enjoyed this episode, then please consider giving us a rate and review. This would help me tremendously in reaching more theater fans and also getting more guests on this show. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. You know, I'm always just one message away on Instagram and you can find me at Goodversations. So let's get to know each other. My hope is to create content that you guys would like to hear. So drop me a line and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you again so much for listening and I'll talk to you again next Monday.